in the Bible, there have been a number of books that uh, have made a significant impact upon me in ministry. For example, there have been a number of books on theology, once again, along with the Bible, that have been extremely influential and have greatly shaped the way I think about God and the way I think about myself and the way I think about the Christian faith and the way I view the world. There have also been a number of books on preaching that, have, that I've read that have influenced me in the way I prepare on Sunday morning and the way I preach Sunday after Sunday. There have also been a number of books on the spiritual disciplines that I have read that have helped improve my, my personal Bible study and prayer time and, and have helped in my overall walk with Christ. There's also been a number of books that I've read on missions that have opened my eyes to what God's Word teaches about missions and why it's important and why we as a church and how we as a, as a church should support missions. I've also read a number of books on leadership that have helped me in dealing with people and in making decisions. So there have been a number of books, some of them required in seminary, others that I've just read or been given to me that have shaped the way I view and do ministry. One book that's made a significant impact upon my life as a pastor is Tom Rainer's book, Simple Church. Here it is up on the screen here. If you don't have it, get it, read it. It's a great book. Now, here's the interesting thing about this book. When I first read it, the book really didn't teach me a, a new way to, to view the role of the church, and it, and it didn't really give me a new philosophy on ministry. It just helped me better explain my existing philosophy of ministry. Does that make sense? You ever have someone say something and you say, that's what I believe as well. He just says it a lot better than me. Yeah, and that's the way I feel about Tom Rainer in this book. That's what I, what I was thinking, but he just says it a whole lot better than me. But my philosophy of ministry is, is very, very important to me. In fact, one of the main reasons, uh, one, of the, one of the main reasons I came to this church initially, other than, of course, the fact that, that I agreed with the church doctrinally and the staff and the, and the leadership and the, and the church in general was because of the church's philosophy of ministry. When Jim began to talk with me about the opportunity to come here to Jacksonville, one of the defining moments for me was when he sent me a copy of the church's statement of faith and the mission statement of the church. After reading that, I, I knew I could see myself here at this church in Jacksonville, Texas. Now, some of you are probably wondering, well, what is the church's and what is your philosophy of ministry? And if, if, if that's where you are, if you're not for sure, you're in the rights because that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. We're, we're beginning this morning a, a five-week series entitled, We Are Fellowship. For the next five Sundays... We're going to be talking about who we are as a church, why we exist, and why we do the things that we do, and we're going to be taking that, of course, from God's Word. And here's what I hope happens in the next five weeks. My hope is, if you don't know 
what we're all about as a church. And you don't know our philosophy of ministry. You don't even know the mission statement of the church. My hope is that, and my prayer is that, you would become more familiar and you would get a good grasp on who we are and why we do the things that we do from the scriptures. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, I know who we're all about. I know our church's mission statement. I've got a good grasp on our philosophy of ministry. My hope and prayer is that you, through this, would be able to better communicate who we are as a church and why we do what we do. And my prayer for all of us is that each and every one of us would understand what our role is in this church to put this mission statement into practice. In our first sermon series, in our first sermon of our series, we're going to talk about how we at Fellowship are all about making disciples. We're all about making disciples. To begin, let's look a bit more at the book, Simple Church. Here it is once again on the screen. Now, I know you probably can't read that uh, subtitle up there of the book, but it's great. It captures what the book is all about. The subtitle of the book is this, Returning to God's Process of Making Disciples. In this book, Rainer makes the point that there are a lot of churches out there doing a lot of things. And many of you know about these churches, right? I mean, even the smallest of churches has a ton of programs and activities, no matter the size. And what Rainer has found when, when, when studying these churches and examining these churches is though these churches have a, a lot of, of programs and though they're doing a lot of things, that does not mean the church is necessarily healthy and functioning the way it should. What you often find is that the opposite is in fact true. I mean, a lot of the times, here's what you have in churches. You have a program for everything, and you have a different mission statement for each program, and, and there, there are just, the church is going in all different directions, and nobody really knows what any given purpose is for any given, given ministry. And though the church is, is busy, and it's going in these different directions, these programs and these churches are rendered ineffective. The church mission has been skewed. Many don't know what, what the overarching purpose of the church is, and they're not getting anywhere. It's kind of like what Solomon says, going back to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Remember, he's talking about the difference between the wise person and the fool? And he says the wise person is the one who has a clear plan and knows what that plan is and knows how to execute that plan. And on the flip side of that, he says, the foolish person is the one who has no clue where he's going, but he's trying as hard as he can to get there, and he never does. And he gets burnt out and worn out in the process. Remember us talking about the man that Solomon talks about going into the woods with a dull axe, just whacking away at this tree? No, he's working harder. He's not working smarter. Many churches are in this boat with numerous programs and numerous mission statements and no overarching purpose. What they're doing is simply swinging a dull axe at a gigantic tree and not even making a dent. And that's what Tom Rainer is talking about in this book. Well, during Jesus' earthly ministry, 
He gave his disciples a clear and simple to understand mission. He gave them a clear assignment that they are to be doing until he returns. And that's found, of course, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Here it is up on the screen here. Let me just summarize what Jesus says. This is how simple it is. He tells his disciples before he leaves, as you are going, you are to be making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe my teachings. That's what Jesus said we're to be doing. As you are going, you are to go and you are to seek out followers of me. And when they come and they follow me, you are to pour your life into them and equip them so that they can better live for me. And that's what we're to be doing. That's pretty simple, right? That's what the church is to be doing. And what, what Rainer says in this book is that, that for the church to become more effective and for the church to become more healthy, it needs to return to Jesus' simple and clear and practical mission. We need to be about making disciples. And I don't know if you all have, have read our mission statement, but that's exactly what our mission statement says. Just in case you haven't read it, here it is up on the screen. It's also on the back of your bulletin. Let's read it. Fellowship Bible Church exists for the purpose of making disciples by escorting people to Christ, establishing people in truth, and equipping people for ministry. This is what we're all about. This is what it means to make disciples. This is the assignment Jesus left us. We're all about seeing people who don't know Christ come to know Christ. But that's not all, right? If it were, Jesus would say, make new converts. But he didn't. He said, make disciples. Now, in order for you to become a disciple, you have to first to come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. But that's just the beginning. Next, we are to take these who have trusted in Christ and establish them in truth. We as a church are to come alongside believers and help them grow in the knowledge of God and of the Christian faith and of the scriptures so that they will better live for God. And number three, we are to establish people, we are to equip people for ministry. There it is, right there. Equipping people for ministry. This is what it means to be a disciple. And that's what we're all about. Now, what I want to do for the rest of the morning is I just want to talk with you a, a bit more about why we at Fellowship Bible Church are all about making disciples. And I want to show you from Scripture why this should be one of our main goals as a church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14. Now, I know I could have easily taken you back to Matthew 28, right? Said, look, Jesus said it. We're to be making disciples. End of story. But I like Ephesians chapter 4 because in it, Paul explains to us how God wants us as a church to be all about discipleship. So let's take a look at it. Here's the first principle from this text of Scripture. Number one, 
God gifts pastors so they will equip believers. God gifts pastors so they will equip believers. Paul says in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. In verse 11, Paul says that Jesus has given all of God's people gifts that he expects them to use. That's what he's getting at here. And he goes to list these foundational gifts given to the church. First, he mentions an apostle. Now, an apostle is someone who has seen and who has been commissioned by Christ. The second he gives, the second gift he mentions is prophecy. Now, the prophets were those people who spoke revelation from God before the written revelation of God was completed. So, by, the, by this definition here, I don't believe we still have apostles and prophets the way they're defined here still in our church today. Those who have seen the risen Christ and have been commissioned directly by him and those who obviously spoke revelation before God's revelation was here because we already have God's revelation, right? But then he says, Jesus has also given the church evangelists. That's the third gift he mentions now, who are the evangelists? Some of you probably got some ideas going into your head. Some of them not so good. But an evangelist is simply someone who goes to an area where there is no gospel witness and shares the gospel for the purpose of starting churches. We can put the Apostle Paul in that, in that category, can't we? That's exactly what he did. He went where there wasn't a gospel witness. He shared Christ and he started churches. The fourth gift that's mentioned is that of preaching and teaching. Now, the English separates these two words, but in the original language, these are meant to be understood together as pastor-teacher or teaching-pastor. These are people that God has given the church who are a part of the church once the church has been established, and their role is to pastor and shepherd and teach God's people. So these are, the, these, are the, these are the main gifts here that are mentioned. These are some of the foundational gifts. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Why did God give the church these foundational gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers? Why did God give the church these gifts? Was it so that members could just come week in and week out and just watch these people do the work of ministry? Was that the plan? because without these people in place, ministry would not take place? A lot of times we think of ministry in this way, don't we? We kind of think of ministry as, as like going to a football game. When you go to a football game, you wear your team's colors. You go out there and you sit out in the stands and you root for your team as hard as you can. And when they do, when they, when they do some good things on the field, you'll, you'll give the person beside you a high five as if you did it, and I've done that as well. But let's be honest, we're not playing the game, are we? And we ultimately have no part in the outcome of that game. If you hadn't have gone to a particular football game, the result would have still been the same. Now, I know some of you are superstitious and being like, you know, I have to be there for this certain thing to happen. But that's not the case, is it? But a lot of people, they think of ministry in this way. 
they think that, that those who are to do the work of ministry are the pastor teachers and the evangelists, and my role is really to just cheer them on. I mean, I'm going to come and I'm going to sing the songs and clap my hands and, and nod my head in approval, but really, it's their job. They're doing the work of ministry. I'm just here to show my support. But is that what this passage is teaching? Look at verse 11 and 12 together. <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. So here's what Paul's saying here. He's saying God has gifted leaders like pastor teachers for the purpose of equipping God's people to do ministry. So that's my role. My role here Sunday after Sunday, according to this passage of Scripture is, I am here to, God has gifted me, God has placed me here to equip believers to use their gifts for the purpose of ministry. Isn't that what Paul says in verse 11? Now this moves us to our second point here. Number two, God equips believers so they'll do ministry. Our first point was that God gifts pastors so they will equip believers. And number two, God equips believers so they will do ministry. Let's look again at verse 12. Notice the word prepare or equip. This word carries with it the idea of preparing a room or getting a room ready. Last January, we had a lot of family in town because it was Edie's first birthday. So everybody piled in. Now, do you think we just left the house as is? Just let them come, didn't go to the grocery store or anything? No. We had to prepare the room, didn't we? We had to put out extra chairs in the living room so everyone could sit comfortably and watch Edie open her gifts. And we, we went to go get food, extra food and drinks and paper plates and cups. We had to prepare this house for this party. And this word carries with it the same kind of idea here in verse 11 and 12. God has told us in his word that we as believers, when we come to meet here on Sunday morning, we are to be coming to get equipped, to get prepared for ministry. Now, this may come as a shock to you. Like, I didn't think that was the reason I was coming here this morning. But that's the reason you're to be here, according to God's word. It's not just to feel good. Though we often do, right? When we meet together with God's people and hear from God's word. It's not just to get a boost from the week, though that often happens as well. You are here to get equipped and prepared to do ministry, both here and out there. So really, the better image of the church is not so much a spectator going to a game, but a player going to practice. That's what this church is supposed to be. It's a place where you come and you train and you get ready. It's a place where you get equipped so that you can do the work of ministry. Now, the next question we need to ask is this. What ministry? 
What ministry am I supposed to be doing? Number three, believers do ministry so the church will be built up. Believers do ministry so the church will be built up. Let me explain what I mean. Let's look again at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for what purpose? For building up the body of Christ. The ministry we are to be doing as believers is building up the body of Christ, growing people up in Christ, maturing people in Christ. That is the business we're to be all about. That's what it means to make disciples. You're to be making disciples in your home, your spouse, your kids, with your friends, with your co-workers. This is what we're to be all about, and this is the place where you come to get equipped to do just that. We're to be equipped here so that we can turn and go out there and disciple others. And then you know what? As we disciple others, they're to go out and disciple others. And then they're to go out and disciple others. You see how that works? It's what Paul meant in 2 Timothy 2.2 when he said this. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will, able, who will be able to teach others also. That's what you are to be doing. Coming here to get equipped so that you can then go out and teach others so they can go out and teach others. This is so key. We have a huge misunderstanding with uh, believers today. You know, we believe that we have gifts that God gives us, and we may even rightly understand that the church is the place where you come get equipped to use that gift. But a lot of the times, people reason that I've been gifted ultimately for me. My gifts are to benefit me. They're to put me on display. Check me out. Look what God has done for me. I've heard people say, you know, God's given me a gift, so I, it's my duty to, to put that gift on display, to showcase that gift for the world, to which I want to say, for what reason? To put the spotlight on yourself? Well, according to this verse of Scripture, that's an incorrect use of your gifting. Paul says we are gifted so that we will in turn equip others and do ministry and build up this church. Believers, God has given you a gift. I don't know what that is, but I know we all have different ones according to the scriptures. But I do know this. Your gift has a very important purpose and it's something much, much bigger than yourself. It's to build up this church. It's to build up his church. Look at what Paul says in verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This verse tells us that we are, to be, we are to be doing this. We are to be making disciples. We are to be getting equipped so that we can equip others. And we're to do it until Christ 
returns until we are complete in him. Now, we're not there yet, are we? We aren't. Though we as a church are referred to as the body of Christ, which, by the way, should show us how significant the church is, that we're referred to as his body, right now, many of our churches are not being the body very well, are they? In fact, I, I, would, I would say that all of our churches could be the body better. And because this is the case, we need to be maturing individually and corporately as a church so that we can better function as Christ's body. When little babies first learn to walk, they're pretty awkward, aren't they? I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. They fall down a lot. They haven't discovered that they have joints, you know, so they just kind of they walk like Frankenstein. And it takes them a, a while to get places, doesn't it? But their little bodies don't stay that way. They don't. They grow and they mature and they function properly. That's the same, to, same as to be true of our church. As a church, we're to be doing the same thing. Like I said earlier, our churches, we lack maturity. We're not being the body very well. So what we need to be doing in response is we need to be maturing. We need to be growing individually and as a church so that we can better represent our head, Christ. Paul says here in verse 13, that we're to be doing this until we are complete in Christ. And like I said earlier, we know, you know, and I know that that's not going to ultimately happen until he returns, but we need to be heading in that direction, don't we? Now what Paul says? He says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Pursue godliness. Head in that direction until Christ returns and makes us complete in him. He then goes on to tell us the benefits of maturing in our faith in this way as a church. Look at verse 14. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Paul says we need to do this so we won't be infants. We will no longer be children. Another common characteristic of kids is that they're immature, right? I mean, our responsibility is to, is to uh, come alongside them and help them become more mature, but that takes time, doesn't it? I mean, children, they tend to be gullible and naive, don't they? Especially when they're really young, they just take whatever they hear and they, they take it at face value. And I was that way. We all were. Growing up, I was the youngest of, of my cousins. And I was pretty gullible. So they could get me to do a lot of things that I didn't know I was doing. For example, they got me to eat a mud pie one time. Told me it was chocolate. And I, Graham ate it. Another time we were out at, at my family's farm and they pulled off an unripe persimmon. And uh, they gave it to me and told me it was a great fruit to eat. And those of y'all that don't know about unripe persimmons, my mouth puckered up and I couldn't even talk. You think I learned my lesson? Eventually I did. But kids, we, we do this. 
The kids do this. They take things at face value. Now, eventually, we learn to question certain things, don't we? And I definitely did after eating that unripe persimmon. We grow in knowledge, and eventually we're able to tell a tr- the truth from a lie in most cases. This is what Paul is saying we're to be doing as believers, as a church. As we, when, when we first come to Christ, we're immature, right? We take a lot of things at face value. I remember when I was, uh, just first came to Christ, somebody would give me a book to read by a Christian author. I'd read it and believe everything in the book. It has verses of Scripture in there. It must be good. Then they'd give me another book, and I'd read through that, and I'd believe everything in that book. And over time, though, as I studied God's Word and and developed more of a discerning spirit, I began to realize that just because you buy a book at a Christian bookstore doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything in it. When you first become a Christian, you're naive. You believe almost anything you read. And if you're there, hey, listen, it's okay as long as you haven't been there for a long period of time, and as long as you don't stay there, but you move toward maturity. My girls at times will act silly. You've probably seen them do this. Now, we'll tell them you girls are being silly, and sometimes even with Ava, we'll be like, act like a big girl. You know, you're four now. Like four, you know. You're supposed to straighten up. (laughs) But, uh, and it works. Uh, No. But um, eventually, we want them to move beyond being silly to being more mature, right? But right now, it's forgivable. Am I right? I mean, right now, it's, it's excusable. But an adult acting in this way, that's uh, not so much, right? We wouldn't be as understandable. The same is true in our Christian life. If you're immature in your faith, it's okay as long as you don't stay there. You need to be moving toward spiritual maturity so this is god's purpose for the church i believe it's god's purpose for every church and it's our purpose here at fellowship let me end this morning by sharing with you three benefits that uh, will result if we as a church would buy into this concept that's in the scriptures that we are to be coming here in order to grow up in Christ so that we can do ministry and, and equip believers and make decisions. This is the first benefit. Number one, you benefit personally. You benefit personally. Here, here's what I mean by this. If you are here at this church, we are going to assume, I'm going to assume, that it's your desire to grow up in Christ because that's what we're all about here. Now, we're not going to manipulate you and make you feel bad if you're not, but, but I'm going to encourage you to come here on Sunday mornings and get plugged in to our, to our ministries that we provide for the purpose of you growing in godliness. And the benefit of you getting equipped in this way is that, it, is that you will start thinking correctly. As you come to this church, as you come to get equipped, you're going to start thinking correctly as you place yourself under the teaching and preaching of god's word you're going to begin to to correctly view god more correctly view god and yourself and the christian faith and you're going to better view the world the way god views the world you know what happens when we begin to think rightly about god and about ourselves and about the christian faith and about our world you know what happens 
you begin to live correctly. See how practical that is? Theology is extremely practical because the way we think influences the way we live. So it's very important. It benefits you. Number two, the church benefits corporately. God has given you a gift. You may not know what that gift is at this time, but his desire is for you to come to know what your gifting is and to use that gift for the sake of his church. I've seen this firsthand. We see it every Sunday up here, don't we? Men and women using the gifts that God has given them to lead us in worship. That's building us up. I've seen people with the gift of administration help us keep things straight in the kids' area, in the youth. That's building us up. I've seen people with the gift of teaching, teaching our kids and teaching our youth and, and teaching our adults in small groups and Bible study. That's building us up. The church benefits from you using your gifts. Number three, the world benefits spiritually. If we as a church body would make a commitment to come here to this church for the purpose of getting equipped to grow in Christ, we're going to start worshiping God better. We're going to start connecting better with God's people. We're going to become unified. We're going to become mature. We're going to start serving. And you know what else? <clears throat> we're going to start making an impact in Jacksonville and elsewhere. The world is going to benefit spiritually from what goes on here on Sunday mornings if you'll come to get equipped. So this is what can result if you will make a commitment here to come to get equipped to grow in Christ. So I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about having the opportunity to share with you what we are all about because I believe this is not just a, a, another gimmick. It's not just another program that we're going to, to implement. It's not just another thing for us to add to our list of dues. It's what we're supposed to be doing as a New Testament church. Another reason why I'm excited, because I truly believe if we, will, if we will come here and see this as our purpose and commit to that, God's going to do a great work in and through us here. Maybe upon hearing this message this morning, you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I desire to grow up in Christ, and I want this to be the place where I do it, but I don't know where to begin. Let me ask you this morning, first and foremost, do you know Christ personally? Have you come to the point in your life when you have turned from going at life on your own and you have turned and you have given your life to him? When you have, have you come to the point where you've made Christ the Lord of your life? Before you can be established in truth and before you can be equipped for ministry, you must first come to know and trust in the Lord Jesus. If you've never made that decision, I want to urge you to do that this morning. If you would turn from your life of sin and trust in Christ alone for salvation, get this, you can be made right with God right now. You can begin your journey toward maturity, your journey toward Christ-likeness. If you have not, I, I want to urge you 
to make that decision today. Let's pray.